What's up, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. Super stoked to have DistroKid supporting the podcast. They're the go-to for digital distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get music into Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance. I really dig this company and I dig their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, artists, bands, DJs, performers, and any other creators that are recording music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. The best part about DistroKid supporting the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, which is absolutely huge, making their already affordable memberships even cheaper. So check out the link in the episode notes. I will put that there, or you can also find it in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Click that link and it will give you 30% off that sign up. Can't thank DistroKid enough for sponsoring the podcast. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, giving it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. Can't stress the importance of those iTunes reviews enough and uh, appreciate the folks that have already taken the time to do so. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel which features in-studio performances and live show performances. And the podcast is also on Spotify now. I've also been putting some monthly playlists up on Spotify every first of the month, which uh, covers all genres of music from rap and jazz to singer-songwriter and indie rock. So it's pretty spread out there. And uh, you can also check out the Dan Cable Presents mugs that are available now as well. I'll put all the links for those things in the episode notes super stoked to get into this one episode 245 this is a special one for me for sure um got the band two on the podcast which features members of a band called nico vega which was an la band in the uh mid 2000s i guess that is it's uh you know that 2007 era to uh i don't know about 2015 
I guess uh, most of the stuff was put out around that time. But uh, this is a band I got to see play a lot around that time. And um, this is a band that meant a lot to a particular friend group that I had around that time in my life, which was uh, from about 19 to, I don't know, 24, 25, I guess. You know, there was, uh, there was this friend group in my life and, uh, some of the best people I've, uh, I've experienced to this day. Some, some people that, uh, I value heavy the experiences that, uh, we got to have together and, uh, it's wild. I don't really, uh, I don't, I don't talk to too many of those people regularly there are you know there's still a couple but uh I look back on that uh that time in my life very fondly and just uh yeah just feel like this music is uh connected to uh a really fucking cool time in my life when I was uh surrounded by a, a really solid amazing group of people a majority of the time and it was um it was rad and uh this music is kind of uh the band nico vega and and thinking about their uh their self-titled record that came out in 2009 was um it's just something that is definitely very transcendent for me and and uh there's no way that I put this music on and and am not instantly immersed in fond memories um with certain people and and just go into these shows and uh yeah just incredible and just uh kind of this this surreal opportunity for me all these years later I guess you know like close to 10 years later or so from being introduced to this band and and having so much respect for them and just so much admiration for the way that they put on their live show and um the emotions that it seemed to evoke from the people in the crowd and, um, experiencing that was always, uh, a very, uh, undeniable experience. And, uh, this was just that, I guess it was, uh, it was a trip. It was a trip to, get to sit down and and talk with Asia and Dan for an hour and a half and geek out with them about the Nico Vegas stuff and then also, you know, dive into this new project too that they started and and talk about what that has been like. So it was uh it was very rad. To say the least, it was uh, very rad and super grateful for them uh, them giving me the time. This is, uh, again, 
this year with this podcast. It's about going after all of the bands, all of the artists that, uh, you know, have kind of like shaped everything along with all the new amazing stuff that I love as well. But it's uh, just trying to chase down all the people that are really having an impact on me with their music. And uh, important part of that for me, I guess, is kind of uh, reflecting back on uh, some of these bands that um, shaped things for me and informed my uh, my lens a bit at a younger age and incredible how this uh, this self-titled Nico Vega record holds up I've, I've just been listening to it so much the last month or so um, around the time that I found out that I was gonna get to do this with uh, Asia and Dan and yeah just diving back into it heavy and uh the lyrics the lyrics on this record are so relevant to today's society it's crazy how how they held up over time and could maybe be even more true than they were at that time with kind of how polarized things are and what a mess everything seems to be. So that's been, that has been very cool to, to hear those lyrics with a different set of ears and, um, you know, a more informed set of ears, hopefully at 35 hopefully a different understanding of the world than, uh, when I first heard this music and whatnot. So, uh, but yeah, just appreciative of, uh, of them for giving me so much of their time and just being like real candid about their, with their responses and, uh, the vulnerability with, uh, some of the responses was, yeah, really, just really great and um i was just stoked that they were they were pretty enthusiastic about diving into uh the nico vega stuff just cuz obviously it's such a big foundation for the new music that they're putting out with too and uh so hopefully it's it's cool for some folks that maybe uh just found out about the band too and and weren't familiar with with uh with some of the history and and what these uh two incredible musicians did before they started this new band and hopefully for you Nico Vega rider dies this is uh as special to you as it was for me cuz this was uh this was a killer one Anyway, I know I'm rambling a lot up top. I'm so stoked to share this conversation, but I just felt like I wanted to provide some context for the people that don't know. So, uh, yeah, man, doing this particular episode has definitely put me into reflection mode a bit. And this last two and a half years has been 
pretty wild. Um, maybe the biggest emotional ups and downs that I've experienced in such a short time, but yeah, feeling pretty grateful for the, uh, the things and the people in my life and just, uh, this dedication that I've shown to myself through this podcast, just about chasing things down and not, uh, not giving up on them and, uh, just to kind of see it finding its stride, you know, five years deep is, is, uh, pretty special. So, um, yeah, just thank you to, thank you to every person that has supported me in any way. Um, and thank you to all of the, the listeners that are, you know, have been listening to this thing for five years now, or if you've been listening the last hundred episodes or the last 10, you know, it's, uh, it's very cool. And I'm super appreciative that, that anybody cares about this thing to any capacity and, uh, appreciate the fuck out of you. And with all that said, we're going to get in to episode 245. I want to thank Devin for helping me set this thing up. And, uh, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to some Nico Vega. If this is a band that you were familiar with and used to, uh, listen to a lot, go back, check it out. It's still great. And if you're new to the Nico Vega stuff, definitely go back and listen. And, uh, if you're a Nico Vega fan and you don't know about this new two music, go check that out as well. Cause it's also great. And we're going to play some of that later in the episode and I'll put all the links in the episode notes so you can follow two and Asia and Dan and Nico Vega. All that stuff will be there. Melissa Falcon. Thank you for, uh, stumbling upon this band and, uh, sharing it with your friend group. It's crazy how it's spread like wildfire amongst us. This is episode 245 with the band 2, and we're going to kick it off with one of my favorite tracks off that self-titled Nico Vega record. This one's called Wooden Dolls. Let's do the damn thing.
mean, if you if if y'all are cool, we can just jump into things because I want to I want to go deep into the history here. Um, first off, like, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for doing this thing. I will tell you that this is like a, a special one for me. I've been doing this five years or so, and uh, it's not only probably a special one for me, but special for some of my friend group around that late, you know, 2009, 2010 era when, uh, a friend of mine, Melissa Falcon came across your music and kind of started this wildfire of Nico Vega within our friend group. And, uh, that self-titled record was, was so huge to our community of friends at that time. And, uh, we were, we were in, uh, I'm up in Portland now, but I grew up in out in Southern California outside of LA. So went to a lot of Nico Vegas shows, um, in those, those days. And, uh, yeah, just a record that, uh, hit us all hard and slowly like started caravanning out to shows. And, uh, you know, we'd be, we'd be out there eight to 10 deep going to these Nico Vegas shows and, uh, yeah, so your your music had a big impact on myself in in that particular friend group. So it's cool to get to talk to you now, ten years plus later, and uh, you know you're in you got this new project going. But uh, stoked to just chat with y'all and and dive into some of this history because you've been playing music together a long time. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's so cool. I. <laughs> That's amazing. I feel like I spend most of my time like being like explaining the band to people (laughs) 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 because, you know, but it's so cool to like know, I don't know, just to hear that. That's really special. Don't you think, Dan? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, that was a fun era for us too. You know, it was, uh, like 2009, 2010. That was really, you know, it's, you don't really appreciate it at the time, but you know, whenever you s- encounter something new in life, it's such a, a rush. And that was just like touring. And I mean, it was all like this, this wealth of new experiences and meeting all these people and, um, you know, and, and looking back on it now, it's just, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's something that I have such fond memories of that era because it was, everything was the first time Mm. yeah wow that's just so cool like it's really cool too that um just the thing with like your friend group because I feel like Nico Vega was such a thing for our friend group like we were we would kind of do this show like we would put on a show or whatever and you know until we started becoming more national and like like kind of moving out and eventually a little bit international like I think that being like in that LA and kind of making those shows be these huge explosions and our friend group would just like everyone would like get together surrounding it and we'd all like have you know dinner afterwards or whatever like we'd have like apple pie at jones um you know do you remember jones did you ever go there i didn't but like it was kind of a whole experience for us because we lived in riverside so it's like a you know it's a bit of a journey to get out to la so you know there was always two or three cars rolling out and we ended up we played in riverside a couple times too did you see us out there at all yeah i I definitely saw you at uc riverside um 
when you definitely like took my buddy James's hat from him while you guys were playing that song that night and like he lost his mind you know just super in love with you and just like oh my god I'm like this hat this hat is is legendary now but uh, but there was a lot of times that we yeah we all just like cruised out to LA and and one by one you know we would be introducing new people within the group because it was there's there's just like really something special about this uh the undeniable energy of uh what what you all do live and uh I'm sure that carries over into what you're doing now obviously you're you're not doing too many live shows right now with your new project but there I th- I think it was just really difficult I remember going to to see the band my first time and uh quite a few of that friend group had already seen y'all multiple times and and just being like oh okay I get it like there's an undeniable energy that you like you walk away from this show and feel like you experience something communal and I just like think about you know when you're playing jams like living underground and all of our friends are just like right there next to each other like hand in hand or arms arms in arms you know like just very like special moments I think Grab the hands of the ones you love We are headed underground for me to hear that just because I feel like um well Dan knows like Nico Vega had so much heart there was so much of what you're talking about was like a real thing for us too and and people in our world and I think also it also was like it also was a business and it had to be we were working so hard to try to make something that we loved successful instead of like constantly compromising just to be successful, I guess. And so we were, it kind of did a lot of this too, because of that, you know, like, I think because we didn't, we wanted that thing you're talking about to just live and be a thing, but it wasn't necessarily something that you could just package up, put on a CD and reproduce. Like it was kind of like, I just had this idea the other day. I was like, or this thought I was talking about this with someone. And I was like, I, if Nico Vega had been a Broadway show, it would have, for me, but like it could have been everything it was trying to be, which was like every song a different experience. We had, we ended up. I don't know if you ended up going. Did you go to the witch hunt that Halloween show in in L.A. in like when was that, Dan? Uh, maybe 2011, 2012. So it was like we basically had this Halloween show and we made programs and we like had this huge tree and this whole set and costuming and it was like. 
I remember telling Dan, I was like, I don't think I can go harder or bigger than this. Like it's, there's nowhere to go from here. <laughs> it needs to go to a new stage <laughs> or like it needs to, we need help. <laughs> I can't, we can't do this all the time on our own. It's like too much, you know, but it wanted to be that. Right. It wanted to be like more of an experience than it was allowed to be because we were constantly trying to, we were moving into the era that we're in now, which was like, things are more electronic, things are more um, radio friendly, things are more, more pop friendly, more formulaic, more, you know, it just like, there's a formula and that w is working or has been working for the past, like maybe 10 years. And I think coming into that was really hard for Nico Vega because we wanted to be really inventive and creative in our songwriting and like the way we did things. And then going, you know, becoming, coming older as we were, we were like, man, we need to like, we want to have families. We want to like, this needs to be more sustainable. Like we can't just tour constantly on pennies. And like, so then it was like starting to mold into this, how do we become successful thing, which really ruined the soul of what we were doing. And really eventually for me, that's kind of what took me out of it. Cause I think even for yeah. all of us, like the individuals that we were, it really worked in its own creativity. But like the second we started trying to like needing things, needing food, needing, uh, I guess, security and, and stuff, that's, that really became, it just became too hard to keep it going the way it was, you know? Yeah. And you just got to kind of compromise to the machine in some ways to, to make that happen. Even now, I feel like if Nico Vega had been doing that, like that's kind of what we're doing right now with two is like anything we want to do <laughs> and like not, yeah. we have, we don't have to worry because our needs, our immediate needs are met. But I think, um, the, the thing that would have been awesome is if now, like I would have loved to have had Nico Vega be a different kind of concept, like a concept band, like almost like take it, take it to like a theater and like, promote it differently as like this rock experience or something. Like I feel like it could have lived like that in a different arena, I guess. And, and where we were at, it just, I don't know. It just, we couldn't find that footing, you know, back then, but that's just me being really honest. I don't know how Dan feels about that, but I, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this recently because I do listen to those old records and I'm like, geez, this is so cool. Like, <laughs> I love what, what it makes think? me feel. It's so different. Every song is so different. Everything is so yeah. active, you know? And anyway, Dan, you can talk. Cause... Yeah, Dan, what do you think? Should we take, it, should we take Nico Vega to a, the Broadway show? Like, is that, is that where it's, it's heading next? I mean, uh, that would have been quite fun. That would be, uh, I mean... The, you know, Asia touched on a lot of different things there and, and it, uh, you know, we worked, we worked really hard and to me, I, I just always felt like, man, like you people come all the way out to see your show, like make it, I, it was, it was never about trying to make it sound like the record to me. I'm like, let the record yeah. be one thing, let the live show be something else. We all, so, so, you know. I worked really hard to, you know, to to take the songs and and stretch them out, find like different, uh, you know, 
uh, moments that existed in the live show that didn't exist on the record. Um, you know, things that allowed Asia places to like dance and to rest her voice and for me and Rich to stretch out and, and try different things. And, you know, she talked about that, that witch hunt. I mean, I was, we were laughing about that the other day because someone sent us this video clip. That's what kind of reminded us about it. But I rented this giant dead tree from like a movie lot and you know went and I borrowed a my friend owned a moving company so I borrowed his moving like this giant moving truck put in this giant tree which then we got to the the venue and it didn't fit through the doors <laughs> it was so big so we're walked carrying oh, this perfect and and you know what was so great is the owner of it was it was the the Roxy and and the owner uh Nick uh what was uh no no uh uh yeah but well, I'll think of it in a second but um but he you know they were so down with us doing this you know, you like most times, like someone shows up at a tree that's not fitting through the door. They're like, buddy, you know, this isn't going to work. <laughs> they we walked this thing to every single entrance of this of this building in order to get it in. And we got it in and they loved it. And, you know, and it was just like that. There was never a doubt in my mind whether it was worth mm. putting in that extra energy. I just felt like, you know what, like there are there are a lot of solid bands out there and you know i know going to a show can be a drag and i know you can i've been to shows where like 10 minutes in you're like man i hope this is over pretty soon <laughs> so yeah so it to me it was always like go that go that extra mile um so that when people come they like they it's worth their time like i guess i just never you know took that for granted like you know, it was also like on our first tour, you know, I joke, I'm still friends with our uh, original tour manager and we get to a venue and we'd be about to go on and we'd be like, hey, is anybody here? And the tour manager would go, he'd go, nope. <laughs> and we'd be like, wait, wait, what do you mean? And he's, I were like, how many people are you there? And he's like, you know, like 15, 20. And we'd be like, there's 20 people here to see <laughs> us in, in Minnesota. Like Hell we were yeah. floored, you know. <laughs> he went yeah. on to be like Bruno Mars, like sound yeah. guy, and then after yeah. that, the no, weekend, no. like he has his expectations grew and grew over time after that, even. But for us, twenty people was enough, you know. But for but he would always nope. nope I mean, one here. person, one per, you know, just I don't know. I think we were just like we were in these new cities, and the fact that anybody knew about us right. in places we'd never been like blew my mind. And I well, there were plenty you know, of nights where there were like three. people. And it was pretty humbling. Uh, yeah. Sometimes uh, it'd be just like the bartender and the cook. Hey, but the, you know, but that's it. That's it. You know, and and that's like I guess I even if there were three people there, I was stoked. You know, I was I impressed that anybody knew about us. Yeah. Also, like yeah. think about that time, like the internet uh, community, like for music. I don't think was n nearly where it's at now. You know, you didn't really have the in you had the MySpace. Yeah, but that wasn't like as effective as maybe an Instagram or something like that, you know, at, at this point to, to let the people know outside of Los Angeles who Nico Vega is at that point or having so many streaming services 
accessible, yeah, the, you know? The, the big thing I remember is our, our guitar, the guitar player, Rich, had, uh, he was one of the first ones to get press in Guitar Player Magazine. And so, you know, every show there would just be, you know, there'd be like, there'd be nobody there, but like, there'd be like five guys in their forties who were just like <laughs> scoping out, scoping out his pedal board. <laughs> um. So, but, but what's, but what's funny is that that was like, that was, yeah, it was still like, now it's like, you know, no, you know, everyone's, no one's finding about, out about music through, uh, you know, uh, traditional press like that. Right. I mean, at least it doesn't. Uh, I'm no expert on marketing, but it, you know, I agree. It's, it's, you know, very much just internet buzz. Right. Which, which I think was making me think about when you were talking about how important touring or like our live show was to our identity. And here we have this new project that's, we've never played a live show. It's, it's just, and it's not even in my, like, and obviously because of, of COVID, I'm sure it would have been different if we had started this band in another year, but, uh, it's not even in my like reality of priorities to like play a live show because I'm, but at the same time, you're reminding me how much of our identity that was at the time with Nico. Or even just how much we love that. Like I, right. It's such a, I mean, it's so funny. My career started out and I probably years too, Dan, like the opposite. It's like everything was about the live show and recordings didn't come from me until much later. It was all like, we're to, oh, you guys are in a band. We're in a band. We're going to play over here at this place tonight, you know, and then spraying all the merch and like doing all this stuff and then create a display and going on stage and run out to the merch table afterwards and try to sell <laughs> hand pressed CDs or whatever, like and I'd have stamped on the name, you know, like, yeah. and, and then it's just, you know, then friend groups, it all mattered. Like it was word of mouth through your friend group and you're getting like, I just, it was the polar opposite, you know, and so much work and it really gratifying too, because there's so much contact within that process with all of the people who are either loving or hating it. It's just a very visceral, real, you know, and I think now it's just so, it's like, I don't even know, I, I'm disconnected. Like I have literally come to this realization that music is for me now, you know? It's like, it's for me or I wouldn't yeah. do it because there is no, it's not about like reaching out and touching someone in an audience or like even having a conversation with someone who's even been, I don't know, it's just a totally different thing. Like I do it to excite myself and to express myself, you know, and that's the only, that's it now. And that has to be enough. You know, it's not about how much other yeah. people like it anymore <laughs> in that sense, you know, that's a, that's a powerful place to get to though. I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it just whittles you down over the years with the internet too, though, because you get really humbled when you, the perspective of how much stuff, is out there in circulation and trying to cut through it is nearly impossible. You have to just kind of do what you're doing and love what you're doing. And then awesome. If someone hears it bonus, but like I've that, I, at least that's how I feel, Dan. I don't know if it's different for you, but for me, it's just all for me now. Like I feel like I have to do it cause it's a part of who I really am. And, and I'm, that's very real for me. I think it was the same before. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is I, I mean, yeah, with I mean, when I think of the way you and 
me and Rich wrote, it was, we never, we were never chasing anything. We were never like, you know, we were never going down like the top, you know, top 20 uh, tracks at the time and, you know, and being like, oh, we should try and do this song's like popping at radio. We should try and do something like this. Like what was so cool about Asia and and Rich from my perspective was they were uh, so authentically themselves and their personalities and there was no there was no like uh, filter between their personalities and then the way that they made music. Like they were both, and I don't know anybody else. Like, like that was to me that was almost what made Nico Vega Nico Vega. Like because I don't know any other. Like I know a lot of musicians. I don't know anybody else like that. Like, I mean, I would compare it to like Keith Moon, you know, the drummer of the Who. Like where it's just like the personality of the artist is the art. And, uh, you know, where, where most, you know, most of us, there's like an intellectual, like, uh, thing that connects the individual to the, the music. And, and, you know, that was, uh, so when we wrote, there was no, like, there wasn't trying ever to be anything else except just doing what we thought was cool. And, and I think we were so, we were so confident, um, we were so like, well, we were, we were very confident in what we were doing as a unit. And, and this, you know, and this definitely, and I'm talking the, 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 the beginning, you know, like you, the things like, I mean, as Asia kind of touched upon earlier, like, you know, after several years of kind of doing the same thing and, uh, you know, you see it's, I think, and you know, it's kind of a long story as far as why I think, uh, we did start to there start to doubt ourselves, but, um, for, you know, in the beginning it was, there was, there was definitely like what we thought everything we were doing was the greatest song that had ever been written. And, and we like, we <laughs> really like, and I'm not, and I'm not being, I'm, I'm not being, I'm not being like egotistical because like, uh, you know, uh, but like we really believed in what we were doing is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Is like I I think that there's 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 a level of importance to having that confidence. I think that's why the show was so good at times too because right. you did have that confidence and there was like that authenticity seemed to just ooze out of the performance uh-huh. to me. And yeah. and then when you talk about you know when you talk about like all the effort putting into the live show and you know, the costumes or like even the stage design for that particular show. I think when you come with that level of intention, like that intention, you know, has got to, uh, has got to put you further in the thing that you're doing and like your personal investment into it. When you're, when you're exploring all those different levels of aesthetic and not just the, the musical performance itself and that technicality, but like, what is what is the vibe like in the room and like what what costume am i wearing tonight you know what like i remember rich would always be wearing some wild fur shit a lot of the times and and also just the wall of sound that you were able to create as a three-piece unit the way you did i thought was always a very powerful thing as well yeah i mean it was it was it was it was fun and it's, you know, and it's funny too, cause you know, uh, you know, Asia, we, 
we shot a, a video a couple days ago and there was, uh, you know, we're shooting all these kind of individual clips of us. And then at the very end, there were both like on camera together. And it was like instantly like there, the energy just goes through the roof. As soon as we, you know, even though we're not really playing, it's just like you just fall back into this thing that I feel like we're both so familiar with and know so well and have, um, that happened in the other video too. It's so interesting. It, it definitely brings that like, it's like immediately no time has passed for sure. And, uh, you know, and there's like, all of a sudden it's like, there's no conversation about what, like there's no above about the performance, you know, there's no, uh, analysis of like, you know, in this next take, we should probably try and do blah, blah, blah. You know, it just becomes what it what it is. Um, so we should play a we should play a live show. No, I think it'd be great, you know, but just to touch back on what you were saying, like, I do feel, you know, Dan and I have pretty similar perspectives. But the only thing I would say that I uh, that felt a little different for me was I did feel that shift of like when we started to go through the need and the kind of growing older and I, I did feel that feeling of trying for the first time to really set in and that was crushing for me because I feel like as is I was there was always there started to be conversations with people about what needed to happen in order to attain some level of success and it, for me, it always felt very personal because I was aware that I was like a female front of this band. So there was there was a little bit of that di- that feeling in there of like never from the guys. Like guys, you know, Dan and Rich were always just like whatever, like to support me always. But I did feel a pressure from the outside, you know, to try to become something that was more digestible and and that brought up a lot for me about just like being a woman in the business too and like what's acceptable in that role and what what's not attractive and what is attractive and Mm -hmm. what and um how to sing and how not to sing I mean there were even conversations I remember with different producers about like how much gravel I could have in my voice like how much how much is too much you know how much is and it's like, and that's not cool if it's too much. Why is it not cool? Because it's not, what? What is it not? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, but it's me. It's like me expressing. So I think that got into my heart, you know? And it, in a way that maybe the guys weren't as aware of because I feel like it was, it was an internal experience for me. It took me, I would say it took me 10 years to climb out of the hole that it put me in, in terms wow. of learning to just listen to myself again and trust myself again, the way that maybe Dan is talking about that I felt so was came so easily to me at a young age because I felt I, I think, you know, you're naive and you're so wholeheartedly who you are sometimes when you're young and you just, just do it. And it's your instinct and it just comes from that place. And then you get kind of whittled down by like these, the, the critics or whatever, the people around you that are critical, like they are critiquing what right. you're saying, you know, like critiquing your expression. And I think that 
for me, that was definitely something that I had to work on. I feel very much more like connected now to like, and it, but it took a lot of work for me, you know? And yeah. I would, I would also imagine you have this additional like internal conflict with experiencing that. And then also with the lyrical content that, you know, this band was kind of rooted in. And even now, obviously like very overflows into the two stuff with this like anti-establishment, uh, you know, woman and human empowerment overall. And like, that must've been rough too, to like be, you know, maybe thinking about conforming to these things while singing about this anti-establishment shit. Well, you can hear it in the music too. You're absolutely right. Because in, in our later record, uh, the one that with the, what was it called? Um, what was the, oh yeah. Lead to light. So in lead to light, you can hear it a lot because that mute, that, record had a lot of production like producers influence and so much going on in it and and you can hear it in the music you can hear like my perspective changes to this sort of like well this is what people relate to so then you're listening to lightning and dance and these songs like even I believe you know where it's like okay now she's writing about like (laughs) love and she's writing about like these these experience, like, not that they weren't real for me, because we all have those emotions, but I am a very, Dan knows, like, I'm a very, what is the word? I, I am on a mission (laughs) in life, you know, (laughs) like, I'm a woman on a mission, and I think that I have gotten knocked off of that many times, and a lot of it was, like, you know, I was also having a relationship and trying to find myself in marriage, and things like that. But I would say that so much of what started to really interfere with my own like soul's mission was, was sort of that like prodding at like, how do we make this more, how can people relate to this more? Whereas it was like, well, why do I have to become more relatable? Why can't I just wait for people to slowly start relating to me? I don't know if that makes sense, but do I need to have this massive audience or am I just really talking to the people who understand or can hear what I'm saying? Like maybe identify with this expression, you know, do I really have to change to make it a more broad or is there other people that are doing that more naturally? And it's okay that maybe that's not me, you know, like, and it took me many years to kind of get on board with that. Cause even for example, like my husband so naturally, like is just very pop centered, like, performer and write well not performer writer he just is like loved pop music since he was a small child and that's really what he what calls to him and when we were in the car the other day and we were like playing music for the kids I was like playing this I was like just playing some stones and some like Bob Dylan and like I was realizing like nobody's paying attention <laughs> to like <laughs> like until like Katie like whatever comes on like you know, he's, he, he's better at finding the stuff that like grabs the attention and like holds the attention the whole time, you know, where I'm like really drawn to like the character. I'm really drawn to the voice. I'm drawn to the pain. I'm drawn to the struggle. I'm drawn to the obscurity. Like I'm drawn to just the feeling and we maybe like, yeah, it's just, there's a difference, you know? And it's taken me a long time to really kind of understand that, I guess, and not dumb either one down. 
It's not that one's not commercial enough and one is too like pop and too, like they both have their places and there's a sliding scale. It's like very fluid, you know, like Bob Dylan might write a really great pop song, maybe on accident one time, you know? And then maybe this other artist wants to express themselves by just like talking in poetry and it's fine. Like, I don't know. I'm ranting, but. The rants are appreciated. That's what we're here to do. Uh, so you're all good. I, I just, I think you're absolutely right too. It's just, there's value in both and there's different people that are going to find value in different things or maybe a lot of things that, that cross over. Um, well, it was a different time too. It was like, you know, I feel like, you know, more obscure stuff, edgier material, is is much more like mainstream right now compared to when 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 Nico Vega was uh was doing our thing like what was considered you know mainstream pop was was something that we didn't we didn't lo- we we had no ambition like our like to us like reaching the the pinnacle of like our careers would have been like headlining the Wiltern or something like that. Like that's a venue in LA. Like we had, we didn't care about, we didn't care about radio. We didn't care about uh, like being an arena band. Like, like we like, and I'm talking about it at the beginning and you know, and it's um, the first, you know, the first several years. Um, And then I think like, you know, you watch and, and then meanwhile, you're grinding it on the road you know, carrying bags of clothes, you know, I remember like, you know, Asia would have like, you know, her, uh, our, our, her friend who was, you, you bring a friend who was usually, uh, our handling merch for us. And I would be carrying all of their suitcases in and we like, 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 like filling up like three luggage carts and you're doing this like day in and a day out because you you just love the process and then you watch like your friends band like blow like have like these you know and and I'm not even yeah there was a, a few of them and and you're just like watching it like just happens like so easily and these are bands you know that like that you know looked up to you like they looked up to us and they were No, what it's well you you but but you know it's like when what but there, it was essentially like at the you know doing the they're being playing the radio game and play and doing the you know that the kind of more corporate uh process of being a band where we were like on a path to like you know grind it out on the road and pro and and i you know and like probably would have had the career that we wanted to have if we had you know re- like you know hadn't uh chosen to have families and to to do those things um you know yeah but what i guess what i was just going to say not to cut you off is that like you know want like watching these other bands uh you know have like have things work on radio you know and i'm just kind of tying it into what asia was saying earlier i think like there was uh 
a lot of we had a, we had curiosity, um, and so we tried to do that, and um, and I think those songs that that we wrote that were, you know, the ones you mentioned earlier that you know the lead to light record, like I don't look at that as like an inauthentic record. Like I feel like we really, uh, you know, we we definitely put ourselves into every one of those songs. But it definitely did, at the same time, take us off of... Um, it was work for me. For me, that it, was work. That was it, when it, it started to of, feel like work and not play. You know, I right. think the first, uh-huh. like, earlier Nico Vega, or when we were just kind of left to our own experience and ex- exploration, I feel like that was what I loved about music. And I think when, it, when I started to have, having, having to work for that, I just lost steam and Dan knows like I don't like to work at things like that I don't I'm like very much a path of least resistance person like I'm like if it's coming out naturally it's the time for it and do it and then I'm like if it's not and I feel too much resistance I'm like this is not the right path it's this way you know and so when I have to try to like make the shoe fit (laughs) I am not I don't hold a good attitude and that's really also hard I think for people around me like I to watch me like deflate so mm. intensely when mm. I'm not like Dan I I mean I'm speaking from as the person who has this impact but I'm I'm a very sensitive person and when it's on it's on when it's off it is so off that like people feel the that you know and having a family has been a really great thing for me because I've had to learn to control my emotions more (laughs) and my, uh, you know, I have little people who are very affected by just even a look on my face, you know? And, and so it's really been good for me to be a more self-aware and I feel like the boys in the band with me were at the mercy, not to like, you know, like I'm not, hating on myself, but they were at the mercy of my emotions all the time. And the communication had to be so spot on because if something was off, it was just off, you know? And so we had to have these band check-ins and everything was the demand for good communication and, and like was so high because I couldn't fake anything ever, you know? And not that, and and the faking, it's not about faking. It's about being able to, like, boundaries and control and l- learning to not have everyone else be, I guess, the on the receiving end of your every emotion, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, I just, I think that, yeah, that played a big part in it all, you know? Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, Asia was in town. We shot this video a couple of days ago and we worked on this this song uh, and she comes in and she's like, I have, all right, I have 45 minutes. We have to just get this done right now. And, you know, and it was just this ex- like explosion of energy and like, and she, so much enthusiasm that I hadn't even seen from you in so long. I hadn't, it's uh, like, you know, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot, like, I forgot about how you, what, how you were in the creative process and how high you would get you high, how high you get. And I said that to my wife afterwards. I was like, I was like, I was like, 
how how high like it's that is not a sustainable level of of enthusiasm or energy and and I was like and it's it's just interesting because what you know there's anybody who is has that kind of level of euphoria there's a hundred percent of a flip side that follows you it's, know wait hang on <laughs> it is true <laughs> but it's also <laughs> oh gosh. well it's, I, yeah I, that I can't no, wait, no, but, but it's also it's like there's a, uh and I don't like I hope you don't I don't know how you're taking this but it's just it's just <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's having it's a group the therapy situation no, here it's it's the enthusiasm of an of an introvert let me just say that because when you are like your my base setting is more introvert, even though I don't people don't get that from me because I'm so good at, at being an extrovert. And a lot of times I think there's a, like an introvert is almost like masked as an extrovert. You like don't see it. You're like, oh, and then you expect that you're like and that's where like it becomes hard because you can only sustain it for a little while. And then it's like, yeah. I got to like, you know what I mean? Mm hmm. <laughs> Do you do you think uh, feeling like an introvert is one of the reasons maybe you did have so much explosive energy on stage? Like that was the place that you really let it all out and you know let ex- let people see your your emotions. I think I think having that platform has been really help has was always really helpful for me to express myself because I felt like I could be seen there and it was the right environment for the amount of energy that I have. So it's always been hard for me in life because ever since I was born, it's like reel it in Asia, you know, reel it in. (laughs) And I think that is a really hard energy to live with forever. Like coming into this world and feeling like you're too much for your parents, you know, um, is, is hard because then you're learning the community, what you're learning from them is you need to control yourself in order to be the right amount for me, you know, in order for you to be like, for me to want to be with you, you need to like calm it down. And then I think that's kind of what I learned. So then you're a people, you become kind of a people pleaser in every environment. Like I've always been a chameleon. I can fit pretty much anywhere because I'm so good at reading people. But that's not healthy for me because <laughs> because then I'm it is so much control that it causes anxiety for people. I think it causes anxiety. Like which is why it's it's just a it's a learning process throughout life. Like when you have the kind of my husband's very similar to me. We're very similar people. Like introverts that are very explosive and love and I love go I love people I love the interaction I love the environment but I need to very much like recover from it all the time you know and I think I don't know yeah it's just like this is all I think this is everyone has these qualities right on a sliding scale it's not like you're just an introvert or an extrovert it's like we're just all different versions of both right kind of yeah so or different amounts of each i don't know no i i think you're right um was there did you experience like highs and lows from coming off the stage then like from putting out that much energy was it hard for you to just you know after that be in 
normal life day to day from experiencing that sort of high? I think where I got into a problem in my 20s was, gosh, this is real talk, guys. <laughs> I think where I got into a problem in my 20s was that uh, that energy on stage wasn't sustainable. And I like created this almost character that then was disappointing people. So because I would make human choices from a very human place, but I was presenting as larger than life, there's a issue there because nobody is, everyone's just human. It doesn't matter if you're Beyonce, you're still, it doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what you present. You still are, it doesn't mean that you're not entitled to your humanity and your mistakes, you know, and, and the things that, so I think navigating that through my twenties was really hard because I feel like even with my friends, I was always empowering, empowering, empowering everyone. Like it's in my personality, but I was having a hard time of learning how to like, that's not always the best position to be in with people. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just, I, and I fell hard a lot and I lost friends, you know, I made choices and decisions that weren't okay with certain friends. And I, 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 I definitely, yeah, because of how I presented myself, you know, and it's not, it was humbling for me though, to move into then my thirties where I stopped performing, you know, and like, and basically had kids and had no relationship to being that kind of an extrovert. I had to find myself within the confines of the space that I had then created, which was better for me because I found my authentic self, you know, like, which came with a lot of like acceptance of the highs and the lows and who I am and like not being a chameleon and not presenting as this other person that's not like that you can't maintain or something. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. I think that makes total sense. And especially, you know, like you're saying, stepping away from that, you don't have that validation of like that crowd that's coming out to see you or, you know, those, those expectations and just finding that validation within your family or your loved ones and realizing how much that matters. And I don't think I knew how much it mattered to me to find that because I do think there was on some level, like, feeling uh, liked was so important to me. It really was. And I think also watching my husband go through like the, the like highs and lows of being liked and disliked, like had, it like was almost like watching myself in another person, you know, which was really valuable for me because I also was able to see like someone get so massive and realize like that that's not happiness. <laughs> you still have to find it just like everyone else, you know, you still got to strive to find it. And it's almost harder because you have all this like bubble gum, like, I don't know, plastic, like yeah. waving in your face, this like idea that like, Oh, you get everything you wanted now. And it's like, yeah. okay, then why are there so many like suicides? And why is there so much drug addiction? Like when you have all that, you know, yeah. And I think once you reach that status too, um, even, you know, some mid-level success, people start forgetting about your humanity and they hold you at, 
this weird other level. Like you don't have the same flaws as others, or you're not like likely to make mistakes just as any other person does. Like no matter how fucked up that mistake is, like you're just a human still. And I think like you're touching on something that's very now too, because there is like this whole conversation about cancel culture right now. Right. And like, where is the boundary and the line? And to me, it's a deeper conversation because it's like, if we didn't put people on pedestals, there would be nothing to knock off. And I feel like the, the issue is more about like, cause you're not, everyone is human, right? So you're going to do these awful things. Like I would venture, it's just now it's a waiting game. It's like, who's going to, who's it going to be next? You know, cause everyone on some level knows that we're all human. So no one's flawless in this arena, right? You can't, it's not doable, but I don't know. So it's just interesting what you're saying. Cause I feel like it touches on that. And that's like, that's a conversation I feel like we're having all the time right now, you know? For sure. I think there's a lot of fallout from worshiping idols, you know, in that, in that way. Um, talk to me about how the two of you got together from the get go, even to even play music together. Like, do you remember the first time you were in a room playing music together? Um, well, yeah, you know, uh, Asia and Richard had, uh, started the band before I was there. Um, so I remember seeing the band before I was in it, which is, which is funny. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I remember the first time, uh, uh, um, I was friends with, with, uh, the manager at the time and, and there, the original drummer was Michael Pena, who the actor, um, who's got a new movie out, Tom and Jerry, just throw him a little, throw him a little plug. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe if we plug him, he'll plug us, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love him so much. Uh, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, uh, yeah, his movie career was, was blowing up. Um, he had just done crash and, and I think the world trade center, uh, movie that he did. And, uh, so, um, yeah, I uh, got the call and I I went in and it was uh you know it's it was definitely like uh, a surreal moment. I can remember it super uh, clearly. Um, and I just you know it was just one of those moments where it the chemistry instantly felt right. It just you know I just it was like you know like there's times when you play music and you don't think and you just it's you know it's like so there's there's times where it feels really easy and then there's times when it feels really hard and it was one of those moments it just was really kind of effortless and uh yeah and so that was kind of uh that was you know that was probably 2007 or so i didn't um, know i can i interrupt you really quick about yeah. it Cause I didn't know that he was going to end like in the very beginning, I was like weary of him and I don't know why. Cause it's, what's so weird is that we're so close and I don't, it's just interesting that we would end up being, we, I mean, we were like, we were like brother and sister pretty much like we would carve out our little space in the van and talk for like five hours. And I'm like supposed to be resting my voice and we're just like, 
can't stop <laughs> chatting about everything. I'd be, like, I'd be like, Asia, rest your voice. You got to rest your voice. And then a second later, I'd be like, what do you think about? <laughs> and that being said, like even now, like his wife is like my one of my other best friends. And she tells me like, because they don't even talk on the phone with each other. But like Dan and I will just call each other like just. I don't even know what we talk about. It's like an hour and a half goes by like that. You know, mm-hmm. we're just talking. We have a lot of practice talking. talking. And Rich would just be like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I just remember him being like, oh my gosh, like, it's just so much guys. And we're like, I'm so sorry. Like we can't stop. But I didn't even, I did not see that coming really. Cause I was, I don't even know why I was, we had auditioned like quite a few drummers at that point. And I was just kind of, I didn't even know what we were looking for, but I was just like skeptical. He was like a friend of a friend. I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, and then it just worked really well. Like it was just amazing. Well, it took it, you know, it, it took a second. Like I remember being overwhelmed, like, you know, rich, and you know you guys have both had big personalities and so much kind of chemistry as like as personalities almost like it you know it was like you know when you show up somewhere and ever there's like all these like inside jokes you don't get you know but it but it wasn't it wasn't even it wasn't even like that it was like to me it was like watching like you know when you'd watch like old Beatles videos and you'd watch like them just joking like you know the the kind of banter and the quick wittedness, um, you know it was almost like kind of stepping into into that like a family that uh, you know that like you know and they were and they were and you know Rich was such a a unique strong like clever clever um witty i mean that's the same thing but you know those he was all of those things he was really quick really witty and really funny and like a performer of a person like in the room like he owned the room and and i think like you know he brought that out of both of us you know i think that was what part of why we liked you know what well, was Mike, so before you I had Mike in that band so yeah, yeah. the three of us were just like always on and it was going to be a really hard thing to like match and then Dan came in and like kind of changed the dynamic but held his own and it was interesting it was just <laughs> yeah well that's kind of what I was uh, was starting to say is I quickly it was like it uh, you know uh, on both on stage and kind of in the room like I uh it was like almost a, a challenge to 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 hang you know i remember the first uh video like live video like you know people had just you know it was like the beginning of like camera phones and like you would go on youtube after a show and you could see you could watch some playback of the performance and i would i would do that uh you know because it was just such a great like kind of learning tool but i remember like watching one and the camera just followed asia back and forth the whole time and I, you know, didn't, that person didn't divert their attention to me once. And I was like, okay, I was like, I need to earn that, you know, person's attention, you know? So it was almost like even as a, as a performer, as a performer, like I learned a lot, um, just by, you know, kind of the nature of who Asia was on stage. 
So I think we we brought a lot out of each other in in that way. And you know, we were all the three of us were together actually uh, a a couple months ago, and we were just you know, Asia and I were talking after how quickly we fall fell back into these like uh, you know we have a a rhythm a rhythm a, a rhythm of personalities. Um, you know, rich, rich, you know, rich dials the energy up in both of us, you know, uh, as, as, as people. No. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, you know, we, we spoke a little earlier and you were talking about how obviously the live performance element is, is zero right now and how kind of unimportant that is right now during these times. But watching the in the rough video um i think like even in that it feels like that energy you know is somehow captured in that video and i know like a lot of that has to be faked when you're doing a music video shoot like that and you know not really hearing tracks necessarily and and just really like giving it in but like there there's uh like that performance aspect seem to like bleed through even in even in that video watching it and i was i was like i was so excited checking it out because i was just like oh man it's been forever since you know i've seen some sort of nico vega show and so like for that energy to exist in there it, it was kind of like all right new band new new project you know new sounds but like same undeniable energy even in this even in this music video I'm in pain from being numb It's like my life has just begun Open up, be shut down Start again and back around This empty space Is more than I can take I'm afraid that I've been played And I don't know what to say The words get lost along the way In my mouth from my brain the tears roll down but they do not make a sound and i feel like something is dying in my heart and i'm not Day quickly pass a hundred more super fast. I can't wait to wake up another life, another love. I have myself, but I think I need some help. Like a dark, I'm 
Well, it was funny because Asia, she, she walks over to me while we're doing it and she was just like, it's me. She literally said that to me and she's probably really embarrassed right now. But yeah, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, and what's funny too, I don't know if, if you have this in Portland, but the, the next door app, do you guys have that? You know, it's like this neighborhood app and, uh, you know, somebody had flown a drone and captured a, a a snapshot of us shooting this thing, and you know, so the you know the the there was this snapshot that was in the next door thing that you know a lot of people saw, and you know it just it did it felt like uh, we were putting a concert on, um, you know, at the height of COVID, and it was that was pretty funny too, like, you know, that was what was so cool. It was like you know that we shot that in May. And so we were about like a month and a half deep into COVID at the time and, you know, into lockdown and people were, you know, it was just, it was like this little moment when people were starting to like, kind of like let up a little bit at the time, you know, after that kind of initial lockdown, but everybody was so excited. All the people whose rooftops we were on and. They were all so excited to be a, a part of it. And um, it was a yeah. little bit weird for me because there was like it took it takes me a long time to recover from pregnancy and having a baby like to feel like me, you know, again. And I remember that was kind of the turning. So but it was also it was interesting because I knew that it was like just the beginning. Like it's just really strange. But because we had shot we actually shot some stuff not too long before that. And I kept trying explaining to Dan, like, it's just not, I'm not there yet. You know, like, I don't know why, but I'm not, I'm just not there yet. And I, I can't explain it. And I know I'm going to get there, but I just, it's not there yet. And then I remember that video and I remember going home and being like, it's there, you know? And then the next one, Cage Fighter, it was even more there. And then this, you know, the other day, I just, it's its interesting. It's like, I'm back, you know, I'm back in it. And and, it, and I didn't ever, like, while Nico Vega was going, we I, I was always struggling with the, I, the motherhood and the band dynamic. Like, I couldn't figure out how both were going to work together fully because I give so much to the band when I was in it, you know. And then I'm like not a halfway mom at all. I'm just like in it, you know? And so it's kind of like, how does that work together? And how do I, I don't want to guard my children from who I am as this, because it's such a big part of me yet. Somehow it was like so much that I was like, how's this going to work? You know, I just finding it was really hard for a long time. And it's so interesting because I feel like now I'm there and it's taken a long time but I'm there and like my kids, I'm like, it just, it feels like it's this and maybe it was COVID, you know, this or th this time period, not COVID, but this time period, because I, th I think it's pushed everyone to kind of self-reflect and like develop in certain ways and kind of make your world everything, right? That you need it to be. And so I think being forced into that space, it's really I'm like, I'm there finally, you know? And I think that's yeah. been really good. Like, I, I can't wait to get back on a stage and, like, perform and, you know? Where where did the idea come about um, between the two of you to form this new project? 
Well, um, I went through a big separation in my marriage a few years ago. And during that time, you know, I think usually like struggle for me is like a really, um, I, my therapy ends up being kind of music. Like I just, that's when my, I'm the most open, the channel or whatever you would want to call it feels the most open and connected a lot of times. Um, not that I don't go through other periods of time, but anytime I'm on a real path of self-discovery or exploration um, is when I feel the most connected as a creator. And so I called him and was like, I need to like make a record because I can't, I don't know what else I'm going to do with like this time. It's excruciating. It's so hard. I have so much pain and I have to do something with it because I cannot just sit here with it oh, any longer. It needs to go, do something, you know, I need to move it. So we were started moving it through and I think like working, you know, I would like write these little songs and send them to him and then he would like either like create tracks for them and like kind of create around whatever or then he came and we kind of created together and um, and then we had all this material and then and then I had another baby. We got back together <laughs> and then I had a baby and I was like, okay. It was just like slipped right through the fingers, like plan B, you know, cause it just definitely wasn't, wasn't planned. And, um, and it felt, but it did feel like very meant to be. And so, uh, it just had to wait. And I'm so glad because I don't feel like I was anywhere near where I'm at now mentally. I was still processing. I was still going through so much. Even after we got back together, there was just this whole, and being pregnant and then having another baby, it was just, there was so much that I was working out, you know, mentally. And, and, then, and then finally, when the time was right, after Valentine was born and things kind of calmed down, we were like, let's do this. Like, we need to, you know, make this happen. Well, it was really even, uh, you know, covid you know, I think that at uh, it took COVID for us to be like to almost to get the guts to 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 put it out. You know, I think it's uh, you know it's a new project. It uh, you know we didn't know if anybody would care. You know, we didn't know if it was any good. You know, um, at least I. You know, it's and I think it's like. Uh, you know, and we had, didn't really like, you know, we were still like, even in those songs, like we're finding out what this project is going to be like, you know, uh, like what is the, this, like, what is the voice? Like, what is, what are we trying to say? You know, I think there was a part of it that was, you know, if you listen to that first batch of songs, there's a part of it that's like, like, let, you know, that's letting Nico OG Nico Vega fans know that we're still here. Um, so there's like a little bit of us kind of going back to our roots, but at the same time, like, you know, Asia had been doing this acoustic music. So we're kind of like taking that and, and blending it with some kind of more modern production. And, um, but that's also kind of who we've always been too. I think like, uh really like we've always had a really diverse um i think rich was the one that kind of like grounded us in 
what Nico Vega was. Whereas Asia and I would like could go make a jazz record and make like a, uh, you know, a, like we could have gone all these different uh, directions. But, you know, Rich kind of it was like he as I said before. Yeah, well, as I as I said before, like there was no filter between his personality and his instrument. So it was like it was what it was, which is uh, that is the highest compliment I could give a musician. So, uh, um, but so like all respect to rich a hundred percent. Um, but, but, you know, so I think all of a sudden here's the two of us and we're, and like, but yeah, but within that, there was always like, we would kind of go all these different, like folksy, we're very rock. We would go different directions and rich was the through line. But now here we are, like just the two of us, and it's like all of a sudden the world is our oyster. We could do whatever we want, and so I think there was a little bit of like you know that that kind of exploratory process, and um, you know, and I don't I don't think that has really ended, you know, and I think that's kind of just I I guess I've just kind of accepted that, and I feel like that's uh, I, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's like, I, and I think where we're looking to go now is just to put songs out and to try and kind of make, hold on to that ethos of like, n- not worrying about the outcome, not worrying about if anybody cares, you know, just making music for ourselves. And, um, you know, it was I, it, like, I had a, a, a conversation. I ran into, uh, somebody the other day and they uh like they were an uh, like an old school kind of nico vega fan and they were talking about how much they were loving the new music and that that meant a lot to me you know that it like you know because i think there was that period where the where the band you know kind of when we were kind of in the lead to light era where we felt like we were disappointing everybody you know we were disappointing like our fans we were disappointing the record label we were you know disappointing each each other yeah so you know i man i think uh it's it's a it's a, a fun spot to be in and i think like we're in a, a place too where we can really do it the whole thing ourselves like from you know recording to production songwriting to production to, uh engineering to mixing to making the album art to making the videos like like this is i mean it is two uh you know it's as two as it gets <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah yeah the only thing you can't do is find us on yeah. spotify <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a it's a little rough you you got to search by like album title is probably know, probably yeah, the yeah. move there is to yeah. search by song or album title i know but yeah. i think yeah listening to the music for myself like with the pull the knife out record um for myself and i know a lot of the people that existed in that friend group that would go see your band a lot you know i i think you know it all connects still it feels like that energy like i said like that undeniable energy is there and it's just uh i don't know it's just been so cool to kind of like rediscover all of it you know like i don't know the, you know to come you putting out the two project sends me down this uh rabbit hole to like go back through the Nico Vega stuff and, and, you know, just seeing how all that stuff like really resonates and Asia, your lyrics 
hold up over time really, really well. Like they speak to the world that we live in now on that self-titled record still and, and the lead the light stuff. But yeah. And I, I just love like the, the current stuff and, you know, the lyrics speak volumes, like thinking about the live forever more track that, that opens things up, which is such a cool way to like reintroduce yourselves in some way of like, Hey, we're about to go on this journey. See, no one's a victim, but everyone's in the game And you choose your own adventure and then reckon with the pain It's the loneliness we feel on this crowded little ball Or the loneliness we won't feel and we just continue to fall Being a part of something bigger makes some of us feel small But maybe that's the point, so we don't try to do it all You see, perfection's a lie and we need to tell the truth Because honesty ain't ugly, it's humanity's glue Feel my forgiveness for I'm just a witness. I think about that line, honesty ain't ugly, it's humanity's glue. Like stuff like that is just super powerful. And then, you know, thinking about uh Woe Man, like those spoken word poetry moments seem to, you know, exist in all the projects in some way. Um is that is that something that you kind of started doing from a young age, writing poetry in that way? Gosh, I always have funneled, I don't know. You know, I think I write, like I, not really poetry. I, it's more communication in general has always been so important to me. Like my mom told me that she, not that I don't know what anybody believes, but my mom went to an astrologer when I was eight years old and was like, did my chart. And she was like, you know, the, the astrologer ended up being a lifelong friend who passed away a few years ago and was very impactful on my life and has done my chart all my life and done, she ended up doing my husband's chart. And anyway, my, my kids and, but, uh, she, told my mom that relationships would be the most important thing to me always. And it's really interesting because like more than anything in the world. And it's really interesting that she said that because it is so true for me that like when I was young, I was like, what am I going to do when I grow up? I have no idea because of that. And it wasn't that I knew I, I didn't, it wasn't about that phrase, like relationships are the most important thing to me, but I was like, how do I have a career in relationships? Like mm -hmm. just communication and relationships. Like how do, what does that look like? You know? And I think then when I found rock and roll, because it was so unhinged, it was a space where I could fit in and not feel like an imposter. And, um, it was the only place that I felt like I was. I was in theater school and even in theater school, I was like fright, scared half to death to audition all the time because I was just like, I can't be what someone else wants it to be. Like that's terrifying to me. I can only be like what I am. And so for me, you know, rock and roll was exactly that. And I think that's how, you know, and then the communication of speaking like, it just had a place there and it, you can call it poetry or dialogue or whatever. You know, I, I write on Instagram, I'll write things and I just, 
it's, it is kind of poetry. It's me working out my ideas. You know, it's kind of a channel, I guess. And I hate to say that. Stream of I know consciousness. It is. It's stream of consciousness. Like whatever you want to say, it's the path of least resistance coming out, you know? And I think um, rock and roll was just a place where it was allowed. You know, I can't just walk into a room and start ranting. Like I don't, or at least I don't feel comfortable doing that, you know, but on that, in this platform, right. like it's expected of me. And so it's like, okay, cool. Like it's expected that I'm going to be whatever in this moment I want to be and, and however I feel. And I, I feel honored to have found that so young because, um, because I was terrified as a young child, like, oh, I'm going to be homeless when I grow up. Cause I can't, I, there's nothing like nothing is meant for me, you know, I'm not meant for anything. Like, um, I guess I'll work in a restaurant for the rest of my life. Cause I don't know what's meant for me or what I'm meant for. You know, and I think finding rock and roll was like oh, relief, you know. I'll be independent. Don't interrupt my story. You're always talking louder and acting like I'm boring. Like I've got fewer brain cells, like I'm the weaker version. Well, guess what? I'll create a person. A woman isn't an extension of a man. I don't need the woe part defining what I am. Let's see how you do in a world full of dicks. I think you'll have a problem that only I can fix. I am the answer to your question. I am the yin to your yang. I am the water for the fire that you have started once again. I am the last chance that you have. I am the hope that you ignore. You are locked inside a room and I am waiting at the door. You are afraid of what I'll do if you give me any power because you think that I'm like you and I will build a giant tower. But I am looking for the balance and I want to make things right, which means we have to work together without starting up a fight. If I am to be the woe and you are to be the man, then let me blow your mind with just how great I am. How, how's the music uh, being created between the two of you now that it is just the two of you are you both bringing a lot of instrumental music ideas are you both playing a lot of different instruments these days or building songs in the box through you know software and whatnot it's a little bit of all of the above i guess yeah i mean uh it's uh i think it's still always sorting that out you know, um, I think there's, there's no, there's, you know, there's, there's no rule. I mean, I've found that, um, I'm not so into the, like, you know, and I think it's a, you know, for me personally, all of the, this has been a process of self-discovery. Um, and uh i've learned so much about songwriting um and yeah i just i don't like to just make tracks you know there's a lot of guys who are just making beats and like they can make like three of those four of those a day like that you know i like making songs that's what i like to do um and um you know uh there's times when, uh, 
you know, like, you know, and I think it's really about kind of figuring out how Asia and I can sort this out via distance. And, um, you know, and we've, we've tried, you know, I think this kind of like this most recent one, she had a little idea. We got on, on like, uh, you know, FaceTime, hammered it out. I sent her a, a chorus pro, uh, progression. She kind of had rocked that out. You know, it's, I think the key is just to move quickly and not overthink it. And, you know, and you also have to have a lot of trust for each other um, because, you know, things when you're, when you're kind of sending stuff back and forth, it can get overthought or, you know, or, you know, it's like there, when you're in a room together, there's like those, those middle things, like say you're like, say I throw down like a, 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 a keyboard progression and I have some like stock sound that I just pulled up just quickly, you know, you're in the room together, you, you know, you just can kind of overlook something like that. Whereas if you're like emailing something back and forth, all of a sudden it's like, that is, that's all you hear. So I think it's like kind of getting over, um, you know, just, just trusting each other and, and, and doing it. But I do think like eight, the thing that I, it, I've always known about Asia is she's so, uh, feeds off the energy of the room. And so hopefully we can, you know, kind of get together and do some more in-person stuff soon. Yeah. When we do it in person, it has a different, definitely a different, I, and I see for him, the inspiration comes from that too, more so like, cause I write a lot on my own and I think, um, while it's fun for him to like receive a song and build on that and like work on it and then send it back. And then I work on that and we back like postal service style. Like we've done a lot of that. And I think, uh, it's not as fun for him. So, um, we're, we're exploring like doing it more together. I just am like impatient a lot of times too with processes. And he knows that like, that's no secret. I'm like, okay, idea, go, boom, next thing. Like, it's, there's just, that's kind of my personality, you know? So I have to, I work on that. And, but I think overall, like, it's all kinds of ways, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I play guitar. I don't consider myself a guitar player, <laughs> but uh, I do write that She's way. She's a good guitar player, by the way. Yeah. You both kind of in that in that lane of like, yeah. There's like several instruments you can maybe wouldn't say you're an expert at, but you can pick up as a writing tool. In some yeah, way or... I mean, as me, yeah, I mean, me as like especially there's you know, uh, I'm not about to go play a concert on guitar, but I record guitar, you know, um, you know, but it's you know, I've 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 kind of sorted out some tricks, some tricks of the trade. Um, as far as, you know, kind of figuring out how to do things, uh, on recording that I couldn't pull off for real. And I would say I'm so focused on communication that the guitar, like instruments have always just gotten in the way for me a little bit because I'm so focused on the communication as I am like as a, just a speaker in general. But, and I think, um, it's been hard because I, to elevate my skills to that it's just, I don't have an, I'm just, I need a lot more practice because I can, while I can get up there and play a concert with a guitar, like I'm not, I don't love that. It's not, I don't feel as free to communicate when I'm doing that, you know? And, uh, 
can you all speak to you know the sustainability of this this relationship between the two of you as far as you know this creative partnership and obviously you have like a really strong friendship but this is you know running probably close to 15 years now and those things aren't easy to maintain especially when you add like creative elements to it um I know that's I know that's a lot to ask but is there is there a short answer for it I I mean I see myself I feel like we'll always be in some kind of partnership because we do have a friendship and our kids are friends. Like, it's just easy, you know? And I think as long as he wants to have me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like we're, we're pretty like, I don't know. Um, Asia's so good at like, uh, yeah, she, anytime I've ever thought, well, well, we're not going to work together again. Then she'll do something really good. You know, she, then she'll just crush it. She'll hit it out of the park and you're just like, all right, you know, the pleasure is worth the pain. (laughs) 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 No, that's a joke that we've, that's that's like, that's a quote. I feel like that. So, you know, the, the, the story there is, you know, the, my childhood friend who is like the, the troublemaker, he's like the guy I, you know, smoked cigarettes for the first time with or anything. He, you know, lit fireworks. Like he was that guy. And his senior quote was the pleasure was worth the pain. And <laughs> that for some reason, like that phrase is, uh, has, is held a, uh, a, a pretty, um, you know, kind of, uh, I don't even know what the word is, but powerful place. And, and I feel like I, I really relate to that statement. Uh, so, yeah, Mine is the like path of least resistance, and his is the pleasure is worth the pain. <laughs> wow. So funny. So they're, they're so opposite. They are yeah, opposite. Yeah. yeah. And we are kind of in some ways. It's so true. Yeah. And it's uh, um, like, I will, uh, yeah, like to me, the, the, the highest high is the, um, the, the, the reward, the personal reward that I get after working really hard at, and accomplishing something that was, really challenging to the point where if it's not challenging and if I don't suffer, I don't really enjoy, I don't really enjoy the, uh, like the, 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 the completion of it. So, um, uh, yeah, well, I'll just let you know where that joke was, where that was coming from. But, um, no, I mean, look, it's, uh, you know, she talks about having like the channel and when the channel is, you know, like, her ability to communicate an idea and you know like it'll be funny i've always thought like when we've been writing together we it would always start out with us talking about something that was going on in the world or in life like just not even like for the purpose of songwriting we're just all hanging out and we'd be talking about something and then we would start writing and she would communicate communicate this idea in the most complete and digestible and like uh, understandable way that I could possibly imagine, which is where a lot of those like, you know, kind of high concept Nico Vega lyric ide- lyrical ideas would, would come from. It would just be us having a conversation and then her just like, you know, kind of making sense of it in this, in this song. And so, you know, uh, you know, I've also, you know, I've worked with enough other uh, singers and, and writers, you know, to know that she's a good one. So, yes, we'll keep writing. 
and keep working together. <laughs> well, uh, man, I'm, I'm nearing 250 episodes deep into this thing. And, and this is like certainly one for the highlight reel for me. Like I appreciate the fuck out of both of you and your, your time and the music that the two of you have put out into the world. And, uh, yeah, this one means a lot to me. So I just really appreciate the hang and, and getting to communicate with the both of you a bit about how this thing all got together and just, you know, what the music is, is rooted in. It's all super powerful to me. And like I said, it's just like transcendent to a, a particular time in my life. When I think about that first Nico Vega record and, uh, yeah, this was super rad and I appreciate the new tunes. Um, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can, you know, find, find two and, and find the old Nico Vega stuff. If they, if they're not familiar with that part of, of this, uh, story, highly encourage people to go back and all the music videos that are there and whatnot. Um, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program. So if we could get the, the, uh, the two, it's a program. We can properly sail this thing out. Okay. It's a program. A program. <laughs> <laughs> they nailed it. Everybody. Uh, that's two. I'm going to play it out with, uh, maybe the track that resonated most for me off the new record and that's faces i feel like that one uh spoke to me heavy as far as the you know the evolution of a person being a lot of different faces to a lot of different people and how that changes over time so thank you so much this was so fucking cool thank you for having us seriously that was awesome absolutely yeah and me too looking forward to to more music coming from the both of you awesome thanks dan all right thank you thank you so much that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland or wherever you're listening from cool thanks again that was so rad i am a fake listen to the things i say
Hey, just want to give a big shout out to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to DistroKid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that DistroKid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with DistroKid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up, stay tuned.